Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's 134 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you on Oilers. Now, we're going to move some things around here over the course of the final 25 minutes or so of the show. Um, we're going to go to this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter group vacation package with New West Travel and receive free parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Go online at newwesttravel.com for all your vacation dreams. All right, very quickly, uh, Brendan, uh, what happened on this day back in 2014? Oh, this day in 2014, we sent Darnell Nurse down to the we did. juniors. We did. After. You and me made that call, eh? <laughs> Excuse me. We, the Edmonton Oilers yes. sent Darnell Nurse back to the juniors after playing uh, two games, and then he went on to put up 33 points in 36 games the rest of the year for Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, yes, uh, he did. That was a 2014-15. His first game, by the way, was against the L.A. Kings. See how smarter the listeners are right now because I'm going to throw a curveball at them. There was a player in that game that played his only NHL game. Only NHL game that night in LA. Okay? Was against LA. He played one game for the Oilers. He left the organization a couple years later. So, uh,. Just see if people can recall who that is. So the only NHL game was against the LA Kings. The others got bombed. I think it was like 8-1. Darnell Nurse. I saw Donovan McNabb after the game, by the way. That's Darnell's uncle. Uh, so uh, you can text us at 630-630. Name the player in Darnell Nurse's rookie game. He played one of two games that season, uh, way back when in 2014-15, before being sent back to Major Junior. Can you name the player from the Oilers organization that would play his only NHL game that night in Los Angeles? 780-496-0063. That is our text line. Oh, ho, ho, ho. we got smart listeners. We have smart. It's not a trivia question. There's no, and, and we need you to keep the lines open. So it is not a trivia question. And in fact, what I might do here, let's see what I might do here. What I'll do is, I am going to pass along something to you here momentarily. Okay, Mr. Escott. Okay. Uh, let's go like this, and then we're going to go to, uh, no, we can't do that. we got to go like that, and then we go like this, and then we go like that. And we go, bingo. Try Check your uh, cell phone if you can, okay? Uh, yes, uh, it was not Tyler Buns. It was Bogdan Yakimov played his only game as an Edmonton Oiler. That night in Los Angeles, and the Oilers got spanked. It was a long one. And I actually thought Yakimov had a chance to be a third-line center in the National Hockey League. Did not come to fruition. 
Uh, this text comes in from Yukon Scott. He texts us at 6.30, 6.30. Hi, Stoffer. Everyone's calling me Stoffer. I kind of like Bob. Uh, something needs to be done with Russell playing on the right side. More often than not, when Russell is in the offensive zone, his only play is to throw the puck off the wall back into the corner. I like Russell's game when he's on his natural side, but something has to be done with the leftorium. Additionally, the, the all-left shooting power play is nothing but an anchor on efficiency. It will not be an effective power play this year if that unit remains intact. Saying that it can work is the same thought process that led to the total disappointment last season. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's three and four. Three and four. There you have it. Are we uh, good to go here? Has the uh, package arrived? All right. Without further ado, we are uh, joined by Wayne Gretzky. He was the uh, current uh, vice chair and partner of the Oilers Entertainment Group. Wayne, it's Bob Stoffer. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. Uh, nice day today. Weather's great. Yeah, doing well, thanks. Uh, yeah, well, weather is great. It's beautiful here. It's just, it's almost like Southern California, Wayne. Uh, this is the photo we need to send to all the, uh, the potential free agents. Look what the weather's like in Edmonton in the middle of October. Yeah, it's pretty nice. You can play golf today. It's so nice. Yeah, well, and Grant Fuhr would be one of those guys that would want to capitalize on that, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, no stopping him from uh, playing golf. And uh, we used to say uh, he is the one guy, don't worry about what he does. Uh, whatever it takes him to get ready for a hockey game, leave him alone. And his big thing was to play golf. Uh, so he played a lot of golf in uh, April, May, and early June when we were in the playoffs. It seemed to relax him and uh, seemed to get him focused for the games. He truly uh, enjoyed getting out there and playing with, uh, with his buddies. Uh, tonight is the Edmonton premiere of Making Coco. I know you're in town for the event, uh, and I, I know you you love the work that uh, Don Metz and Adam Scorgi and the group did on this. But you know, Adam, it, it's interesting because we had Adam on and we talked a bit about this yesterday, Wayne, with Grant. Grant is such a modest guy; like he wouldn't really want people fussing about himself. But it is a great story, isn't it? I mean, Grant is just—it's a terrific story. It's an incredible story. You know, he's, uh, as I've said many times, uh, he's a wonderful friend and he's a great teammate. I don't know of any other goalie that could have handled uh, playing on a team that was so offensive-minded. Had he played on a different team, um, numbers that he put up would have been probably drastically different because we were such an offensive team and you take Teams like Islanders and Montreal and Boston, Buffalo in those days, they were so much more defensive over an 80-game schedule than we were. Uh, I remember one time we were losing 6-1 to Vancouver and Slots yelling and screaming after the second period. And he said, my gosh, all five of you guys are going in the offensive zone. He said, here's Emas are jumping too. Why don't you guys go down with 6 on 0? <laughs> so uh, he had the mentality and, and the uh, personality to withstand uh, our offensive problems. And so, you know, if you ever look at old footage of Grant Fuhr, never one time in his career did I ever see him point a finger or blame a defenseman that he couldn't see a shot or anything of that nature. He was just a great team guy, and 
He pulled the puck out of the net, broke the center ice, and said, let's go. You know, Wayne, people will sit there and say, uh, Bob, of course the Oilers were a great team, and they had all this wonderful chemistry, but they also had Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier as their top two centers. But I know you really feel it was the sum of the parts that collectively made you guys so special, and Grant was an intrinsic element in that. No question. Um, we were blessed here uh, in that era. We, you know, Grant was obviously great, and people sometimes forget how good Andy Moog was, and, and of course, and Billy Ranford team. And so, the goaltending position was always pretty strong within the organization. Um, but you know, if you look at some of the great goalies of uh, Ken Dryden and Billy Smith, Patrick Waugh, Marty Berger, uh, the the thing that sort of comes to mind that those great goalies all have in common was they were great in big games. And I can remember uh, playing against the Russians back in 87, and uh, the score was 5-5 in game two. And I remember walking in uh, after the third period to the locker room, and I just remember saying to the guys, don't worry about the goaltender. The kid's going to stop everything. They're not getting the sixth goal. And that was basically the difference. He, he knew that if it was 1-1 or 6-6, uh, the next goal wasn't going to go in on him because he was so focused, and he didn't really care about stats. He was never, he never worried about his goals against average. He didn't really worry or think too much about shutouts. He just really concentrated on getting wins, and that's all that mattered to Grant Fuhrer. And we knew that as teammates with him. We knew that how unselfish he was. And so, as time went on, it did get better defensively, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, we knew we owed it to him to have some accountability to be better defensively in order for our team to ultimately be successful and win a championship. And that's basically what happened. We're joined by Wayne Gretzky, vice chair and partner for the Oilers Entertainment Group, Bob Stauffer with you on Oilers. Now, it's funny, you mentioned that 87 uh, Canada Cup. A lot, you know, I was, Wayne, I was 21 watching that. I think that's the greatest hockey that was ever played. But I have a correlation with something that happened last night. People forget you guys were down 3 nothing in game yeah. three. And there, you know, there was a little bit of nervousness in Canada, even though we won the 84 Canada Cup. A little bit of nervousness there. The Russians were really good and they were a team year round. And you guys did rally, but it wasn't you and Messier and guys like it was some of the other guys like Brent Sutter and Rick Tockett and guys like that that really got you guys going, wasn't it? Yeah, there's no question about it. Look, we've always said it many times. You, you win as a team and you lose as a team. Obviously, there's guys that get a little bit more attention and a little bit more focus. Uh, but we played game two, and the, the games were starting on TV at 8.15 Hamilton time. So game two ended around 2.20 in the morning. And I was staying at my mom and dad's house at that during the tournament when we were in Hamilton. I remember I got to my dad's house around quarter to four in the morning um, and, you know, by the time you get to sleep after a big game like that. Um, so <clears throat> Mike was known for shortening his bench, to say the least, and myself and Mario and Mess, uh, we had a lot of ice time in game two. And before we knew it, uh, what had happened, uh, we were down 3 nothing in game three. Uh, Mike uh, didn't panic. He uh, threw out guys like Dale Howardchuck and uh, Brian Prop and Rick Tockett. Uh, he gave us a little bit of a breather, myself, and Mario, and Mess. Uh, and the team came back. And before we knew it, uh, we had 
gotten a little bit of a breather uh, halfway through the first period. Uh, we came back fresher in the second and third, and obviously the rest is history. But, you know, I always kind of laughed that the face-off in game three was 5-5 and was in our zone yeah. with, I don't know, just over a minute to go. And Mike threw out the three most offensive uh, centermen that he had on the team with myself and Howard Chuck and Mario. And I remember we all went over the boards and we all pointed at each other, you take the face-off. <laughs> Not one of us wanted to take it. Uh, but fortunately it worked out and the rest is history. But, you know what, you, you got to have a team. And Grant, uh, again, you know, was 5-5 in that game. We knew he wasn't letting the next one in. Uh, by the way, Wayne, you are 2-0. and in the building this season. <laughs> yeah. uh, you were in Winnipeg last night. Uh, you moved down to ice level for the third period. Speaking of rallying from three goal deficits, what was it? You know, what was it like for you to watch it down there? Could you feel the energy for the players on the Oilers bench and on the ice watching Connor and the group uh, will themselves back in that hockey game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I, I don't really like sitting up top. You don't get a real feel for the game. I, I enjoy being down below, and, you know, you get a much better sense of how the game is going, the flow of the game, and everything like that. So being down near the locker room uh, in between the second and third period, you could hear the players were uh, extremely still positive, and the uh, coaches obviously were encouraging uh, our team that one goal could change everything, and sure enough, you know, we scored a big goal early in the third period, and when you get a goal like that, it sort of gets the team on their heels a little bit. And a big part of that win, as far as I'm concerned, was at 4-1, uh, Talbot made a couple of really key saves to keep it 4-1 and not allowing them to get to 5-1. And then when we did make the 4-2, Connor sort of took over at that point in time, and, you know, next thing you know, it was 4-4, uh, Darnell made a tremendous move on the overtime goal, and uh, it was a great win for the team. You know, to finish two and two, a four-game road trip against some good hockey clubs. Um, you know, it's a pretty good start, it's a fair start, and now we got a nice home stand. Get going, a little bit more confidence playing at home this year because our home record was just not very good last year, and hopefully that's that win jump starts the guys for tomorrow night. Well, you know, take us through the mindset of a player when you know that you can rally against. I mean, Winnipeg had the best home record in the NHL last year, Wayne. That's a tough mm-hmm. place and a tough team to come back on. They're a really tough team, and they're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And, you know, with that, is they, they have some obviously speed and skill. And then you add that with the players they have, they have tremendous size. So they are a hard team to play against. They're heavy. But I felt like our guys really tripped it up and went to another level in the third period last night. Hopefully we can sustain that sort of energy and that kind of effort to the first period of tomorrow night's game. Well, the fans deserve it because they've been tremendously supportive, Wayne, as you know. Oh, and we're Mm -hmm. opening up a a new club, Club 99, uh, in Edmonton as well. So hopefully people get a a chance to to see that. I've I've been to your restaurant in Toronto. Actually, Wayne, Jack Michaels and myself uh, watched the Edmonton Eskimos win their last Grey Cup at your bar in Toronto. So uh, that was that was a good that was a good afternoon of what I remember it. So that was a pretty good one. And I and I hope you didn't have too many pierogies. No, no, no. We laid off on the pierogies. Hey, uh, Wayne, we appreciate the time as always, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the Making Coco event uh, tonight, the premiere down at Rogers Place. All right, thanks, guys. And yeah, it's going to be a great season this year for our club, and everybody's excited about tomorrow night. So. 
one game at a time, but let's have a nice start. All right, thanks Hi, a lot. Bob. All right, thanks a lot, Wayne. Bye bye. That is uh, Wayne Gretzky, Oilers vice chair and partner on Oilers now. 148 at Edmonton, Royal Pizza. Pizza past and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu locations, visit royalpizza.ca and download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Yes, Club 99, it will be open two hours before games. Studio 99. Studio 99. Studio 99. Did I call it yeah. Club? All good. Is it? Really? I just looked it up. Yeah, it Holy is. Holy cow, sure. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Wayne was too polite to correct me. <laughs> wow. So it's Studio 90, like Studio 54, but Studio 99. Correct. You ever see any of the old pictures of Studio 54 back in the day? No. That place had it going on. <laughs> All right, great catch. Good job by you, Brennan. Bring it any time. And speaking of bringing it, uh, at 152, we're going to replay uh, the highlight recap of last night's game because it was a kicker. This is Oilers Now. This is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30. Check. Yeah, I expect Zach Cassian back in tomorrow. Chance Drake Kajula doesn't play. He wasn't on the ice day. It's 1.53 in Edmonton. All right, I, I got to get to this text It's because it's Jason from Sangudo, and he is really funny. So in the voice of the world's most interesting man, is that what he is? The world's most interesting man from Dosecki? Bob doesn't always eat pierogies, but when he does, he eats 99 of them from Wayne Gretzky's. Oh, man. Actually, we had one member of our entourage kicked out of the bar that night for being too loud. You can text us at 630-630. Topher out of Red Deer. Stoffer, how good is today? Know what I mean? You're right, Topher. Today's a good day. And the reason, one of the reasons why, it's not just the weather. Another reason why today was a good day was this, just for you, bud. Fifty-five in Edmonton. Coming up tonight, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. He'll have former Philadelphia Flyers tough guy Riley Cote talking about marijuana 
in sport. Tomorrow's show, killer. I mean, we, we had Wayne Gretzky and Craig Simpson on today's show. Tomorrow's show, Sportsnet's Louis DeBrusque and Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, solar. For those of you that are down tonight at the Edmonton premiere of Making Cocoa, I look forward to seeing you. Up next, the news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. And hey, Halsey, congratulations on 65 years. You've lasted 65 years telling people they've been wrong. It's incredible. So long, everybody, promoters now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.